The Trudeau government is expected to propose a plan to fund and reform Canada's health care system when Prime Minister Justin Trudeau meets with the premiers in Ottawa on Tuesday. The United Conservative Party government's first major effort to allow addicts to be unencumbered in their pursuit of a better life for themselves will open later this month. And the Trudeau government's Bill C-11, dubbed the online censorship bill, is inching closer to becoming law and Canadians are weighing in. Hello Canada, it's Tuesday, February 7th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Rachel Emanuel. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is scheduled to meet with Canada's premiers in Ottawa on Tuesday to address Canada's strained healthcare system. The feds are expected to propose a plan to fund and reform the healthcare system. Now, according to the CBC, the 10-year plan will include a top-up to the planned across-the-board increase to the Canada Health Transfer and substantial funding for bilateral agreements with provinces and territories to deal with their specific needs. Now, the proposal will see new money flow as soon as the next budget in April. The full details of the government's proposal will be released later on Tuesday. Now, Rachel, healthcare is something that Canadians have always said is a top of mind concern in public opinion polling when it comes to the issues that they're concerned about. And I think that's even more so after we've seen what happened during COVID-19 and a lot of healthcare systems just under strain from coast to coast. Absolutely. I think part of the issue during the COVID-19 pandemic was that so many provinces had let their healthcare systems get to a really bad place where when they were pushed past the brink that they were already on, they were just unable to handle that load. Now, obviously, there was many other things that occurred during the COVID-19 pandemic, and many have argued that what happened and the restrictions of our civil liberties was not right. And I think those are fair arguments to have. But it's fairly obvious to everyone that our healthcare system across the board is really at a breaking point, and we need some major overhaul, some major investments, and just really a rethink of how we're doing things and how to do things more cost-effective. Because Canadians are going to the walking clinic they're going to the emergency room and they're waiting four to eight hours and that is just unacceptable it's too much time we need to have better care in this country absolutely we used to go on about our great canadian healthcare system but let's be honest that's just a myth now that is not the case people can't find a family doctor when they get to hospitals like you said they're in really long wait times if they're lucky the hospitals are even open it was just wild to see that uh, a few months ago there were cases of hospitals closing on evenings and weekends And of course, with the COVID lockdowns, the first one or two were about, oh, watch out, nobody should at all get this virus. But the later ones were more about, well, hold on a second. If we get a lot of vulnerable people, older people in hospital, we're just going to overwhelm the hospitals because we can't care for that many people. And some of the numbers weren't that much. It was, I think, 200 people in ICU beds in Ontario was supposedly enough to overwhelm the system. That's exactly it. Our capacity is just so low and it's not near enough what it needs to be at to care for all the people in these individual provinces. You know, one of the things I find so funny here in Alberta is the NDP has this sort of scare tactic that, oh, we're going to move to privatized health care. Canadians are going to have to start paying to see a doctor. Okay, well, Canadians and Albertans are already paying to see a doctor. So that's what our taxes go to. It's not free. It's not a correct way of characterizing our health care system. But to be entirely honest with you, I would be more than happy to pay a fee to see a doctor if it meant that I could see one at a reasonable time. And I think most Albertans and most Canadians feel the same way. 
I'm not saying that's a solution. I'm just saying things have gotten to such a bad point that I look at America with a bit of envy. You know, I would happily walk into the doctor's office and pay a fee if it meant that I could see a doctor right away and that I wouldn't be wondering if I was gonna have to take the entire day off of work to sit in an ER or to sit in a walk-in clinic to get tested and to get some antibiotics. You know, and it's nice to see Ontario Premier Doug Ford looking at alternative approaches to healthcare. I also appreciate remarks that Trudeau has been saying about all of this when he said, okay, fine, we can talk about more funding, but I don't want it to just be a quantity issue. I also want to talk about the way we're delivering healthcare. Now, I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with the particulars that he's putting forward, but I do think there's something to be said about, well, it's not just more money because when it came to COVID, we threw hundreds of billions of dollars at the system, still had an overwhelm system. But I think Trudeau is at least right in that it's also how you manage the system. It's not just money at the wall. No, it seems like we've definitely left things to the last minute. Every province seems to be looking at this issue right now. You've just mentioned Ontario is taking a different approach to it. We had the same thing over in Alberta. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith was very unhappy with the way that things occurred during the COVID-19 pandemic. And she made that clear when she was running to be leader of the party and to be premier. She's come in, she's shaken things up. She's gotten rid of Dina Hinshaw, as we've talked about before on this show. So she's really looking to deconstruct how they're doing things in this province. One of the major issues that we have here is just ambulance wait times. People are waiting way too long to get ambulances. So there's been a lot of movement in the province to shake things up. And we're already seeing things slightly improve. I was in Banff over the weekend and I was reading some of the weekly papers there. And they were saying, you know, there's been some slight decrease in the amount of times people are waiting for ambulances. So this is moving in the right direction but there's still a long, long way to go. And it's not just gonna be throwing more dollars at the same issues now, it's exactly right. We gotta have a new way of doing things. The first of six massive recovery communities currently being built by the Alberta government to allow addicts to be unencumbered in their pursuit of a better life for themselves will open later this month. The Red Deer Recovery Community will be the only one of its kind in the province when it opens. Marshall Smith, Chief of Staff to Alberta's Premier and Recovered Addict of 17 Years, has been guiding the UCP government's approach to homelessness and addiction. He said the facilities recreate community in a healthy way, unlike other approaches which isolate homeless addicts in hotel rooms. The new facility in North Red Deer is nearly the size of a football field. It is 75 beds and the ability to treat up to 300 people per year. It was announced on July 18, 2020, and construction began in November 2021. There are also recovery communities underway in Lethbridge, Gunn, Calgary, Edmonton, and on the Blood Tribe. The facilities cost around $20 million each to build. Programs vary from one month to one year, depending on the client's needs. The province told True North that it hopes to build 11 in total, but details on those other facilities are not yet public. This is a pretty radical approach that we're seeing here in Alberta, mostly because I don't see this approach happening anywhere else. In Canada. They're really taking the addictions and homelessness crisis seriously, and the Alberta government thinks that they have a plan to solve that issue. It's not one of safe supply. It's one of helping addicts recover from their addiction and go on to life unencumbered from that addiction and free from it. You know, Anthony, as I just mentioned, it's it's a lot different from what we're seeing even right next to our neighbor in BC right next door. I'm wondering if you care to walk us through how different this is from BC and what we're seeing there with their efforts on legalization right now. Well, the simple fact that you describe Alberta's approach as radical and one scratches one's head and goes, hold on a second, what's radical about creating treatment beds to help people overcome their addictions? But apparently that is a radical departure from the way we've been doing things because the focus has been on uh, these buzzword phrases like harm reduction and safe supply. And look, nobody wants to see someone uh, tragically dying of an overdose. And if there can be ways to get them uh, support immediately, then that's great. But there's more to it than just that. And people are pushing for that now. They're seeing what's going on in their communities. Obviously, Vancouver, downtown east side, but 
stuff in downtown Toronto, in Ottawa, so many cities across the country where we need more than just these safe injection sites. We need to help people get treatment, to get them off of these drugs and to help them towards a better life. And the harm reduction cycle out there, system out there, doesn't seem to be pushing that as much as they should be. So good on Alberta and hopefully this gets replicated. It is crazy that we've come to a time in society when it's considered radical to focus on treatment and recovery instead of safe supply. Even conservative leader Pierre Polyev came under so much criticism when he called downtown Vancouver, you know, a hellhole or hell on earth. But that's really what it is. That's what life is like for residents that live in these areas. They don't feel safe and we can see the crime going up in areas that this happens in. And it's certainly true that Alberta is the only place that seems to have, you know, a real way of tackling these issues. It seems safe supply hasn't been working. But it seems like, you know, provinces like BC, they're determined to continue going down this path and seeing what it brings them. I suspect that they will soon find that they have cities like LA and San Francisco, where even U.S. politicians, major U.S. politicians aren't safe in their own homes. As we recently saw with Nancy Pelosi, when her husband was attacked by, you know, sort of a deranged homeless man. So it's, it's scary to think what these policies are going to bring for Canadian cities and for the people that are living in them. As the Liberal government's Bill C-11, dubbed Justin Trudeau's online censorship bill, is set to become law, Canadians have taken to social media to share their concerns. Bill C-11 moved through the Senate last week and is on its way back to the House of Commons, where it is expected to be passed. Now, there are amendments proposed by the Senate, but it's unclear just how many of those amendments will be adopted by the Liberal government. On Monday, prominent Canadian Internet and e-commerce law expert Professor Michael Geist said trust is waning in the CRTC because it's acting like an arm of the government instead of acting like an independent regulator. And comments from Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez suggest he sees the CRTC as just that. Meanwhile, popular Canadian YouTube personality JJ McCullough took aim at the CRTC online, referring to it as, quote, federal bureaucracy trying to regulate the internet around nonsense vision statements. Meanwhile, conservative leader Pierre Polyev wrote that, quote, even Trudeau's appointed senators are opposing his attempt to censor what you can see and say online. He was referring to a speech given by senator and novelist David Adams Richards. Now, the legislation, if passed, will take aim at Canadians' online feeds, and one such affected change could be to people's homepages on YouTube, where content would be prioritized based on goals set out by the CRTC, basically platforming, pushing some content, and deplatforming, shadow banning, downplaying other content. Rachel, a lot of heated opinions over this legislation the past couple of years, and it's really hard to find anybody to stand up and say, I really support this. I mean, it, it does attempt to modernize a number of aspects of the Broadcasting Act. So you do have some uh, businesses and, and people involved in some aspects of this sector who are supporting certain changes to it. But this stuff here, it seems like nobody really supports it, these details. Yeah, I haven't heard a single Canadian content creator stand up and say, this is good for me, this is good for my business, this is what I want to see. And apparently this legislation is supposed to ensure that we're seeing more of Canadian content online when we're browsing on social media. So it's a bit ironic. One of the big criticisms of this bill, as we just went over, is the criticism I've heard of all federal liberal government legislation anytime it involves the CRTC. It's that they aren't very specific with what exactly they're looking for and exactly how the legislation will work. And they leave a lot of things up to interpretation for the CRTC, which means it's not exactly acting as a federal independent regulator should be acting. And we're seeing that again with this legislation. I think that's one of the scary things about it for Canadians is not knowing exactly what it's going to do. 
But even knowing that it's going to alter how our algorithms work is scary enough. The government has no business interfering in, with our internet and with our online algorithms. And it's truly something that the Liberal government is just come hell or high water determined to ram this through. They say they will take, I guess, a couple of the Senate amendments, but they're just absolutely insistent that this bill is going to become law. Yeah, I suppose it's sort of good news for Canadians right now that the bill has been delayed because the Senate sent it back to the House with modifications, but it's time for Canadians to be prepared that this legislation is likely going to pass and be aware of what they can do to protect themselves online. I know people like Jordan Peterson have been recommending that Canadians get VPNs and it's you know, time to find ways to work around these types of things if you don't want the government and the CRTC interfering with your algorithms online. You're going to have to find workarounds. There's really no other way to put it right now. There's no way to sugarcoat this legislation. That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.